0: All right, we are recording. Welcome everyone to Burgess Power Hour. Those of you on the phone, those of you on Zoom, those of you with video, without video, hey, we're all connected, right? So I just want to give a shout out for all of you taking the time to be with us tonight. It's going to be um, quite an adventure this evening, I think, because of the topic. Uh, and it's going to be a little different. Those of you who don't know me, I'm Burge Smith Lyons, and I've been doing uh, these types of transformational workshops in the world for 37 years. So, I'm old. Um, and Essence of Being, I've been doing all of our programs all around the world on six different continents for 27 years. So, hey, those of you who are graduates of Essence of Being in our Conscious Leadership Academy, welcome, welcome, welcome. I see many of you here. And those of you who are brand new never seen me before welcome and those of you who have seen me before but just haven't quite connected on other levels with me on any of our workshops welcome as well okay so i just want to uh start out tonight letting you know that um tonight's going to be about the subconscious beliefs around race and prejudice i figured that'd be a good discussion to have now most of the time when i do power hours it's basically me yakking for a minute and then we do an exercise and you get to explore a lot of things about yourself and then we talk about it and people share some things and then i give you a couple of tools to use based on whatever comes up for people okay and then i tell you what's going to be coming up next that we can all connect with tonight we're going to be it's going to be similar however i really encourage all of us to Uh, Make sure you have a pencil and a paper because I am going to be um, uh, delving into the subconscious because that's what I do, right? So part of this is really you being truthful and honest with yourself. And please uh, be mindful that um, whatever comes up for you during these processes is an awareness for you, okay? Okay i just want to set the parameters of our because i'm going to let us share a lot more than i normally do because i think we might have some sharing to do okay and uh, hopefully nobody will i'm sure i see all the people here i know you guys are going to talk so i'm not concerned all right so I, i know many of you you're you you're not shy to share so i just want to set some parameters that um This is not a forum for any kind of hate or right or wrong or trying to convince others that they're wrong and you're right, okay, And, and trying to convince people of your opinions and your thoughts and things. It's not about that tonight. It's more about a deep dive into your own subconscious in order to be aware of maybe some things you weren't aware of and maybe be a little more aware of your subconscious beliefs around prejudice and race. So we're going to be talking and sharing tonight with that lens, okay, around judgment and race and um, prejudice. So my intention is that we become more aware and inspired to act or behave or think differently If it doesn't serve you any longer. Okay, just to kind of be open to whatever comes out tonight in our conversation and in your deep dive about what's going on in your head. Okay, and in your heart. And if if you find out some things that aren't serving you as well anymore uh, to to make yourself happy. uh, I encourage you to be open to shifting that and stay in that love thought system. Does anybody have any questions about any of that before we Start. Okay. I think what I'm going to do. I'm going to mute everybody, but please mute yourself if you've got background noise, because I do want to be able to hear you, but not the background. Okay. And if I hear a lot of background, I'm just going to mute you. And if you're on a phone, hit star six or mute. Okay. Hopefully, you've got paper and pencil, because. We're going to go into fear and love, and I said love thought system. And you might be saying, Burge, what's love thought system? This is the part where you say, Burge. Okay. Anyway, <sighs> gotta lead them to water here. Hey, hey, hey Burge. Yes. Hey, 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 what's the love thought system? I'm glad you asked, Regina. Okay, girl, you got it going on. All right. So it's the opposite of fear thought system, right? So fear can separate us. Fear separates us and it keeps us playing small sometimes. All right. So the fear can be, and many may have heard this before, uh, that fear can stand for false evidence appearing real. And if you've never heard that before, or even if you have, Sometimes we get really ingrained in a way that we believe, in the way that we think, in the way that we act. And we, we find evidence that all of it's real. Our fears are very real. We find evidence all of our life. And so let me explain to you what this really means about false evidence appearing real, which can mean fear. It's like when you're a kid and you're saying, mommy, daddy, there's a monster under my bed. There's a monster under my bed. What is, is it really a monster under the bed? No. To that child, is it real? Absolutely. So what does mommy or daddy do? They come in and they show the child, look, honey, no, look under the bed. There's no monster there. There's a lot of dust, but no monster. Okay. And so the child gets new evidence that it's not real. Sure smells real, sure looks real, sure has been my life up until now real. Because that's what we do is we look for evidence to prove ourselves right. And that's great. If it's working for you. Great. Okay. But if it's not working for you, you might want to look at new evidence. So that's what I mean by false evidence appearing real, because it sure smells real, and it sure has been our experience, right? It's real until it's not. And so what I encourage us to do is to look for new evidence that perhaps something can shift. There is definitely a shift going on in the world right now in all kinds of ways with the whole pandemic, with all the uprisings and the awarenesses that are happening and we're waking up to different things that maybe we haven't talked about. Um, Certainly not in this depth for a long time. So I just want to show you that the fear thought system can also mean, a fear can mean forgetting everything is all right. Okay. So fear, the fear thought system is ego based It finds fault with people. It attacks, it believes in scarcity, that there's not enough. And if it's a me or you world, by God, it's gonna be me. Unless you're really codependent and then it's gonna be here, I'll give it to you. Okay, Um, fear thought system is a conditional conditional forgiver. I'll give you, you son of a bitch, but you better not do that again. That's a conditional forgiver, okay? Um, they people that are in the fear thought system just notice uh, if you find conflict a lot, or if you find yourself separate a lot, okay? Separation can be living in the fear thought system. Uh, right now, I know we're separated for a lot of reasons. <laughs> right now, a little more than usual. I get it. However, it's always a choice. We're always at choice. Okay, about what we can how we can believe and feel about each other. Okay. Uh, we'd rather be right than happy. Robert likes that one. We'd rather be right than happy. That can show you that perhaps you're in the the fear thought system. Hey Leslie. Hey Luana. Hey Arlene. Here's Denise and Michael. I'm seeing more people pop up in Mercedes. Okay. Um, Also the fear thought system is the guilt. Basically, if you feel guilt or if you're throwing uh shame at somebody you catch it that's also the fear thought system so be mindful if you're doing that it's sort of like that's okay i'll sit in the corner in the dark no worries you go out and have a good time without me it's all right go ahead so that is throwing guilt and people catch the shame and just notice if that's you you know, if you, and many of us go into that fear thought system and come out of it and go into the love thought system. But this is just to give you a guide as to where's my head right now? What is, where's my heart? Am I living out of ego right now? Or am I living out of love, which is based with our values? It's value-based from the great spirit, from God, from the universe. Okay. From whatever you want to call that, that higher power or that connection that we all belong to and that we all can connect with. Um, So a love thought system, they seek harmony. They're love seekers. They believe in abundance. They are unconditional forgivers. Uh, They love unity and seek unity and harmony. And they'd rather have peace of mind. And they'd rather be happy than right. So that gives you a kind of a a guideline difference of what is love thought and what is fear thought. Does that help? Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to go in and find out some subconscious beliefs around race and prejudice right now. So the reason why we do this, I call it our bubble talk. Okay. It's the, the bubble talk is that little bubble above your head, like a little cartoon character. And that's our subconscious belief that may or may not be serving us okay and if our conscious thoughts and our subconscious thoughts are not aligned then we can have blocks come up that we're not even aware of we might not be able to create abundance or create uh, harmony or create wonderful relationships or any of the things that are purpose in life because maybe our subconscious is blocked And it's blocked and not aligned with what we really want. We say we want consciously. And it's subconscious. You don't walk around thinking this. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to go in and find your bubble talk because One of my favorite quotes about this is from James Baldwin and he says, not everything that is faced can be changed. But nothing can be changed until it is faced. So Let's go face it. Let's see what, let's see what's going on with our subconscious. So I encourage all of us to ask these questions, listen to the uncomfortable answers that might come up to challenge our status quo, okay? So with that, I'm going to give you statements and I just want you to fill in the blank. And I want you to do a stream of consciousness writing and what that means is you just think of the first thing that comes up. You know, you can write one or two things if you want. Whatever comes up, don't edit it. Don't think about it. Don't try to figure it out. Don't don't want to say the right answer. Just the very first thing that comes into your head, okay? And so you're going to write one or two answers, just first things. And remember, we're doing this from the sense of, uh, from the filter and the lens of race and prejudice. All right? Just to see what's there. Anybody have any questions about how we're going to do it? Cool. Okay. All right. So here we go. My mom believed or believes people of color are what? My mom believed or believes people of color are. first thing that comes up. If you don't know, make it up. Okay. And the next one. My mom believed or believes white people are... First thing that comes up. My mom believed or believes that white people are... Don't think about it too hard. Just write it down first thing. If you don't know, make it up. The next one is My dad believed or believes people of color are... My dad believed or believes people of color are... The next one is, Uh, My dad believes or believed white people are. What'd you hear your dad say? My dad believed or believes white people are what? What'd you hear? Okay, and the next one is, just notice if what you're feeling right now, by the way. Okay, just notice if it's comfortable, uncomfortable, what are you thinking, how are you feeling? Just take a deep breath. Most of my friends in high school were what? Most of my friends in high school were... Now, this might trigger you guys, but I'm gonna try it anyway. The next one is, when I'm stopped by police, my first thought is, when I'm stopped by police, my first thought is what, first thing? next one is and this just write down the first thing it may or may not have anything to do with race but I'm going to say it rich people are rich people are what first thing And I'm not using these terms in a derogatory term. I'm just using them as a, as a way for you to have a distinction. And the next one is poor people are, poor people are what? next one when I feel attacked I when I feel attacked I what do you do the last one. Take a deep breath. (sighs) When I feel judged, I, when I feel judged, I what? Okay, so just in case you didn't write down the questions. The first one was, my mom believed or believes people of color are. The next one is, my mom believed or believes white people are, and dad believed believes people of color. Dad believed or believes white people. The next one was, most of my friends in high school were what? next one was when I'm stopped by police, my first thoughts, or my first thought is. And the next one I said was rich people are. Next one is poor people are. And the next one I wrote was when I feel attacked, I, and when I feel judged, I just so you can kind of remember what I said, okay? So this would be the time that we will uh, open it up to share Uh, any awarenesses, ahas, anything that was striking? Did you notice any similarities between you and your mom and dad? Did you um,
1: have anything? Hey, so this is Trish, hey. (laughs) Hi. I had the exact opposite reaction to my parents. Both of my parents were, my mother, I know better. I know my mother really well because she lived till she was 80. My father was about 47 when he died. So I don't know him as well, but they were both bigots. My mother was a big bigot. I mean, it was obvious. Even when she was sick and I was hiring a nurse, she told me, I don't want a black nurse. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? So I am exactly the opposite, and their reaction to race made me more militant. Okay. That's, that's, that's the truth, and I know that. I know that. I was so, I was so uh, disgusted by their reaction to people of color, yet they both had people of color as friends. Go figure. I, I just never understood it. When you say militant, what do you mean? You became militant. You became. I became exactly the opposite. Like, I have my whole life fought for civil rights and human rights and women's rights, and I am exactly the opposite that my mother was.
2: Okay. So So it,
1: it definitely affected me. And what were most of your friends in high school? white because i went to a catholic high school um and most of the school was white there were uh, i went to school in new york so i had a small contingent of black people a small a bigger contingent of hispanic actually Uh, but most of my friends were white in high school but i think that in high school my Friends, we were really oblivious. Like, because we lived in New York and it was so integrated, I mean, I took the subway to school every single day. And, I mean, it was my life was there were people of all colors, Asian, black, you know, everybody was part of my life. And I had friends, all different friends, all different colors. And most of my friends predominantly were white because I lived in a white neighborhood and I went to a white high school. Gotcha.
0: So what
1: about when I feel judged? When I feel judged, my initial reaction is I get pissed off, but then I go inward. Then I go inward. And I just had a recent experience with it because I'm I'm doing a series, a weekly series called Sister to Sister, and I'm having conversations with women that I know of color to just ask them to share their experiences, so that people can actually hear what it's like to be a black woman in America today. So, um, for me, it's it's uh, I was judged on Facebook. Like people were saying the rudest things to me because I was using terms they were uncomfortable with, like white privilege. And you know, I'm doing a lot to educate myself. And Women's Prosperity Network is really opening this door for conversation because I think that's the only way that things are going to change is one-to-one, person-to-person. So I was really get I got somebody who wrote on there, oh, I'm sorry to see you drank the Kool-Aid, Trish. Like, what the hell does that mean? So I, I, I go – I get pissed, and then I pull back because I know it's better to consider my response so I go inward, and I consider how can I answer this and stay calm and cool, because if I come across and just want to – what I want to do, and excuse my language, is I want to call them ignorant assholes, but I know that's not going to get me anywhere. That's stooping to their level. So I go inward after my original getting pissed off.
0: And that is exactly how you felt when you were – you became the vigilante, right? You became the, the – uh...
1: What did you call yeah, it? the yeah, militant rebel. My my sister Susan coined me the revolutionary. So, all of my business stuff, I'm the revolutionary. Um, you know, the results revolutionary. all oh, my company is called Revolutionary Results because inwardly I'm and outwardly I'm a revolutionary. I want change. I don't like what I see, and when I don't like it, I want to speak out about it.
0: And so the judgment piece, that'll be your first response or reaction is being, um, you know, is fighting and
1: wanting to. Angry. 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 Yes, I get angry.
3: Okay. But I
1: don't, but I don't react angry. I know better. I'm older now, right? When I was a youngster, I would immediately fly off the handle, but I've learned to hold that back and to instead Garner my thoughts and answer intelligently because I know calling someone an ignorant asshole only adds fuel to the fire.
0: (laughs) A little little bit, yes, ma'am. Yes. Yeah, but you're being real, so I appreciate you sharing that. Does anybody else have anything they want to share? What I like like to share. share. This is Darlene. Darlene, hold on. I've got Darlene, and I've got Josette. Is that right?
4: Yes. Okay, let's do Josette and then Darlene. Okay. Okay, so, um, so when you talk about, like, um, you talk about what my mom thought about people of color, she thought they were beautiful and powerful, whereas she thought um, white people were conniving. And then my father thought people of color were not to be trusted, and he thought, white people were the group to connect with. Wow, so you had complete opposites growing up. Correct. And then all my friends in high school were white because I grew up um, African American kid in a white suburb in Colorado. And so out of my, definitely out of my high school, 1500 kids, there were maybe nine black people or people of color but my friends were white, so I didn't really know anything differently. So did you feel um, judged or attacked? Um, not necessarily. Um, you know, I think I've had instances where that has come up and I pretty much kind of, I think I just kind of internalized it. Didn't, didn't always understand it per se, because, um, but I, I kind of took it you know within. So let me ask you a question. Which
0: of your parents have you started, uh, which beliefs have you taken on?
4: Um, which beliefs have I taken on? Well I still think people of color are beautiful and powerful. Um, however, I probably have lived the life that my father talks about because I'm black. My husband is white. My kids are mixed. Okay, and so you have, and
0: you were around a lot of white people too when you were
4: growing up too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah, but I mean, you know, it, that was kind of the environment that I grew up with. And then as I got older, the circles that I seemed to be more attracted to were. Uh, were the circles that had white people.
2: Okay.
0: And just real quick, I have curiosity about rich people are and poor people are.
4: Um, well, I said rich people are mainly white and poor people um, are minorities and PWT, but that's kind of how I was taught. Sorry. Okay.
0: Okay, and so this is totally in alignment with the way that you, uh that your dad, the reason why he said, go toward the white people. Right. And so this is something that was passed on. This belief system was passed on. And if it's working for you, that's great. But it's interesting to see how we take on our parents' beliefs, our society's beliefs. And they it's this. It's it's total it's eternal. Our beliefs are eternal until until we rebelieve something. So if it's been working for you this way, then that's great. But it's interesting to see that that's a, very clear about that. You're very clear about white people are rich and poor people are not. And poor people are uh not white. So I mean but it's that's my experience has been traveling all around the world that that is a belief as well for a lot of people, and those are handed down, and you get to look at the evidence, mm. and the system, you know, and you can talk about you know, all the system and everything, how it's raised uh, and created it so that that's the way it is, and so I'm hoping that many of us are, are once again opening our eyes, or maybe for the first time, about how this works, and, and if this is... Uh, Okay, good. Anything else just that before we go to Darlene? Thank you. Okay, that's a really great perspective.
5: You've got both sides going on, uh, Darlene. Um, well, it was hard for me to answer. Uh, my mother was never prejudiced—that uh, at least, not that I knew—and my father left. I, I was never didn't have a man in the home for most of my young life, and I got married at 16, so um, I was never raised with any black uh, people. Our school had no black children in it. The, the black children in Melbourne, if they went to the movie, they went upstairs, I, so I was never, I didn't really have an uh, opinion, except I was friends with the black cheerleaders that had, you know, went to a different school. And uh, they would come in the dime store where I worked and uh, we would talk about our football games and stuff. So I don't think that I ever really became more aware of, of all of those differences. I didn't really have a view because my mother, we lived in Texas, so we were wor- with more Mexicans than we were, or S- Hispanic or uh, Indian in Texas than I did black people, but she, I remember even back back then, there were, uh, there was always some either black or Spanish people and she never had opinions, she was, you know, she hugged them, they brought us food, we brought them, made them stuff and took them. So I don't even think I formed an opinion. I was married to a man that was very prejudiced though. So I, I him and I argued a lot about his opinions, you know, which that never does any good, you know, because people have them for various reasons um i never um i i don't i don't think and you know the injustices that i have seen like one time i was waiting on two little uh, black girls that came in the drugstore, store and, and my boss came like a maniac across the floor saying get those little um black children off those stools and i said what and he says they're not supposed to be sitting there that was back where I guess black people didn't come in. I never, I was in my own little, you know, high school world, you know, cheerleading and never gave it a thought. But I knew that wasn't right. I I was like, what are you talking about there? I said, they're just sitting there. And he had a fit about it. But that's, I'm sure his bigoted way that they were raised, you know, was just acceptable back. This is back in the 50s. So, you know, we're talking (laughs) in the olden days, old, old, old days. Right. And so how... In life, I mean, I've never given it as much thought because the black people that I'm around are extremely successful. That go to my church that I know. I mean, they've got big high positions. There's a, a, not a huge number of them. So I, I, I don't know. I don't like what's going on, you know, the rioting and all that kind of stuff. I, it really bothers me. I want, I want to just cry. Um, but I, I, I think um, I haven't been out in the world like Trish to want to fight about it or um, I would want to be, I, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm not a person that believes that fighting and uh, being, um, you know, obnoxious about something never gets anything uh, accomplished. It's like, I, uh, you know, I've been to uh, to Israel and there's so much um, uh, prejudice against Jewish people for many, many reasons, you know. Well, you're a Jew. You're, I mean, what is that? I don't think I ever really had time. I got married so young and had children. I don't think I really had time to form a bunch of hardcore prejudices. Well, so I, uh, what I'm hearing you
0: say is that. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is that for the, all these beliefs that came up for you, that you don't understand why people feel the way they do sometimes, and but yet you don't want to, what, what's the word you used, want to um, fight, and it makes you cry. So the part about
5: speaking up and having a voice... That part, I don't have, I mean, as far as, uh, just say what's going on now, because that's really, my, my husband was a police officer in Melbourne, Florida, during uh, the riots here in the late 60s. So, you know, he told me many stories, but he was, he had uh, three of his very good friends were black police officers, and they came to our house, and we were, we were friends with them. And but the the rioting that he went through when they would drive in the towns and they would try to pick the cars up and throw them and they were told not to shoot them, uh, but they they were all feared for their life. So he was very anti. That I don't think black in general, but those blacks, the ones that were, you know, I don't know, causing trouble or being. In. Okay. You're. you're
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, I need to stop you.
5: I don't know. I think he was more. Uh, he's brought up in West Virginia, so I was more prejudiced than normal. Okay. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Because I, you uh, you messing up there a little bit but okay. Oh I know.
5: Well I can't hear you either. I don't know what's wrong with my phone now. Can you hear now? I, I can hear you at this okay. second.
0: Okay. So I encourage you to continue to have it to use your voice and speak up when you see injustice for sure. Um and definitely that's a subconscious belief that you've had about, you know, that's just the way it is. And that's and back in the in the specific time period you're talking about you know, it's sort of like with, uh, it was okay to sexually abuse women, too, you know, and to not abuse, but it was okay.
5: Yeah. There were a lot of things that were okay. Well, they really they really weren't okay, but you just didn't, I think they you know? just didn't, yeah. Yeah, it was accepted. I think that's what uh, the thing you know they were just accepted but even in in these times in my business i've had many come in now we're talking about racial but we're also talking i've had people come in and say i don't want no gay guy doing my hair or i don't want a black person doing my hair we have a um, an um, indian girl that works for me and uh, we've had several in these days in time right now come in and say you know, I don't, I don't blame them working on me. Strange. Uh, they're very blunt and say horrible things. Like you said, what Trish, Trish has gone through on the internet, uh, on Facebook. What, what the heck? She's trying to find out stuff. Why would anybody have a problem with that? Okay. And that's because
0: of belief systems that were handed down to them and they got to see evidence of
5: things, Right. It's it fear. It's fear too. Just fear of what we think is going to happen.
0: There's fear and there's love, right? There's two. Yes. Be one yes. Both. You can go back and forth. Okay, darling. Thank you for sharing, honey. I want to give some other people a chance.
5: Yes, please. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you for doing this. Welcome.
0: Uh, did um did did um, I
6: can share. Who's that? Lynn. Hey, Lynn. Go for Hi. it. Well, actually, it was very difficult for me, Burge, because both my mother and my father died when I was young. So my mother, I was six when my mother died, and I was 10 when my father died. And in my family, we never discussed race. I mean, we saw on TV what was happening in the um, early 60s on TV in Alabama and, you know, Selma and things of that nature, but we never had a real discussion of it. My aunt moved us to a suburb that was, when we moved, there was primarily white, but quickly changed over. And I do remember, like, at six years old, asking why were all the white people moving on our street? And she explained to me that they didn't want to live around us and my thing was, but well, we're okay people, why not? Because I just didn't understand it at that age. But to answer your questions, for my father, I put down, my father always believed that people of color could do great things and that white people were capable of being your friends. Because mm-hmm. he had friends, he was friends with his bosses and things of that nature. But growing up, it, it turned out that because my school, the neighborhood changed so fast, and most of my friends in school were black. We had only a few whites that went to our school. One white um, woman, I remember, she left and went to a academy, and she came back like a semester later. And we're like, why are you back? She said, because they kept saying, you live around black people. So other than that, we really never had discussions about it. And then I went to Brandeis, which was a white Jewish school. They had very few Blacks. So. <laughs> and therefore? And therefore, I was then in the minority. You know, and so it took, it was a little, it was a little culture shock for me. Because not only was I in a minority where I had, you know, I'm mean, and I'll be honest, I had a white roommate assigned to me and I decided I didn't want it. I did not want that. I wanted to live with the Black. Student. Probably the worst decision I ever made. Um, like I figured out, but, but you know, and that was a big lesson for me, though, because that's when I learned that It really isn't about the race of the person there. You know, you can have crazy people all colors. So, and that's and so and then I actually really gotten to know the person, right? And so that
0: was a life lesson for you about definitely it's not about the skin color however it's interesting how we do pick right if we had to pick you know oftentimes we're maybe not afraid but it's just different you know it's like people are different and anybody who's different it's like i'd rather be with people that are like me right and so that's how maybe our innate responses are even if it was our belief system from being raised that way or not but it's interesting how you said I wanted to choose that, but then you realized, oh, what a great what a great lesson for you about about that. And so, do you feel uh, judged being a black woman in the world? Oh yes, yeah.
6: Oh yes. And so, tell us more about that. Well, it's well, it depends on who it, who it is that you're around. But yeah, I feel like, you know, my qualifications, it doesn't matter. You know, I've had judges like ask me, oh, well, what law school did you go to? You're so articulate. Like, well, I went to law school. I should be articulate. Most people that go to law school should end up being articulate. But, you know, I I know he didn't ask everybody that. Or people in a courtroom. I'll be in a courtroom and have a white attorney come in and ask me something thinking I'm the clerk. We all have these perceptions. We're not thinking there was any way I could be an attorney. Yeah, but the worst one, to be honest, was I was in Tallahassee about to argue before the Florida Supreme Court. First time, I'm in my power suit. I'm ready. I'm at the hotel. I'm going to get breakfast. And I'm in the restaurant. And a woman walks up to me and says, do y'all have any more fruit in the back? And I kind of looked and said, well, this is this is the uniform they wear now. Because <laughs> she thought I was working at the hotel. I'm thinking I'm about to go argue before the Florida Supreme Court. But this woman only could see me as to help. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so what is your response to that, dear? Well, I tell you, I... What I said to her was basically that, oh, is this what the, the waitresses are wearing now? No, well, I mean, in general, what is your response when people judge you that way? That's basically my response to it usually in those kind of situations where it's a, a quick one-on-one. You know, I, I try not to, like the guy in the in the courtroom that said that to me, thought I was the clerk, and then when the judge came out and said, Ms. Wickfield, do you have a matter before me? I handled my matter. I just told him I didn't know. That was my answer to his question. Yeah. But when the judge called on me and I took care of my business and on my way out and he ran after me and and you know, it was like, Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I see, yeah, but you need to think about that. You know, the fact that you couldn't see me as being anything other than somebody, you know, less than you, not on your same level. That's your issue, it's not mine. Cool.
0: So so when people project, and this is for all of us, when people project a certain I- idea of who we are, and they judge us for white, black, red, yellow, female, male, and they judge us, and they can be gay or not gay, they judge us for who we they think we are, and they project their own fears and their own belief systems onto us, and so the question is, how do we respond to that, you know, and how can we educate and stand up and have a voice and without um, causing any kind of, um, I'm not even sure what to say the word is, but how do we respond in a way that is something that people can hear, you know, and I feel like what's happening in the world right now is we have an opportunity to, it's like what Trish said, we have an opportunity to have a conversation about it. And this happens to all of us Though we get projected upon, right, about all kinds of things. And how do we respond to that? Because that's not who we are, you know? And, And I can't even imagine what it feels like to be a black person or a brown person or a gay person or, uh, you know, any kind of different person than I am, I, I can empathize with everybody, but until you walk in the shoes, you know, it's good to have a conversation at least about what's your life been like, and I feel like it's important for us to be open to listening, you know, to that, and how, and how do we all respond in kind? Mm-hmm. Luana, thank you, Lynn. Is Luana still here? Yes, I am. Okay. Did you want to share something?
3: Um, yeah. I I had a hard time answering these questions because um, I didn't grow up in black America or white America. I grew up in a subculture, which is a military uh, community, which is – in an, it's a microcosm, so in and of itself, it's a very different culture. And I didn't grow up in this country. So um, – So there was no discussion about race at my table, in my home, ever. In fact, probably the most that we've discussed it has been this over the summer, over the pandemic, is, you know, asking my parents um, questions about, you know, their experiences growing up, and even theirs were very unique. My dad grew up in this little – my dad will be 90 next month, and he grew up in a little German community – so he doesn't have, you know, a traditional African-American experience. Um, but where my, where my journey has been different, and I'm going to do a spin on racism and prejudice, prejudices, is you can actually be racist and prejudiced against your own race. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and that's because of lack of understanding, lack of exposure. So I wasn't around. I was from, from kindergarten through seventh grade, I was the only black person in my entire school. And then when we moved to Arizona, as I was telling Trish in the interview, you know, how many black people live in Arizona? Not much. And then I went to the University of Arizona. So again, 50,000 strong. Less than one percent African American, and half of those were from Africans, so they weren't even African American. So my exposure to blacks was when I moved to Atlanta, um, twenty years ago. My true, my true indoctrination to what it means to be black in America, and. I think this has been the greatest experience. I fought (laughs) kicking and screaming coming here because my ex-husband was military. And, you know, all I knew about the South was what I had read in books. And my opinion of Blacks was, again, what I had, what had been depicted in books and on TV because I come from a, a family of means. So I thought everyone was like that. I lived in a bubble. And then coming here, I realized and started to understand um, the disparity um, among races. I I, I began to become educated on uh, the lack of access. Uh, I I understood truly what the meaning of institutionalized racism means and how laws are built for those who are, are in the governing seat. So if this were an America built by um, and I'm seeing control by the African American power and wealth. Then the whole paradigm would be switched, flip flop. Um, so, I, I, I coming here helped me to truly embrace being a Black woman, and and not just saying I am I'm a woman, but I'm a Black woman, and because of that there's, there's, there's good in that. There's power in that. I, I love our ancestry. Yeah. We we came from, from slaves, but my God, we survived. So my story, my passion, my fight has a very different spin. I'm not, I'm not bitter, um, but I do see injustices. And just like Trish, if I see it, I'm going to speak against it. I'm going to fight. Um, and um, I think I've, I've definitely become more accepting of, of blacks as to their, their, their struggle and why things are the way they are in some cases, and um, not making myself separate. Okay. That makes sense. Because I would say, well, that's, that's them. Well, no, it's we. It's right. we. I'm, 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 I am part of the black, black community. I am now part of the black experience, and I am so proud of it. But I'm also part of the American experience, and I'm very proud of that as well.
0: That's perfect, Luana. Thank you for sharing that, hon. And so we all have different perspectives, don't we? We come from different backgrounds. We come from different belief systems. Is um, I, I, I kind of want to hear from one other person, like maybe the guys or maybe another person uh, for a few seconds here before I go into, I want to give us some tools and some awarenesses and ahas and things that we can go forward with from whatever came up for us and from some, some things for us to focus on. Uh, does anybody else want to share before I do that? Okay. Um, I hope that, I mean, I could talk like this for a long time, but, you know, I, I feel like whatever experience we've had in our life
2: around... Birch? Yeah? I'm sorry. This is Carla Ellis. How are you? I'm oh, good. Did you, are you, are you short on time? Do well, you have to go for it? We got a minute. Go ahead. Oh, just very quickly, um, I, too, grew up military um, on different bases. Nevertheless, my parents did, um, one's from North Carolina and one from Alabama. And so they did grow up in a segregated uh, society where they're from, had to go to to attend HBCUs because couldn't be accepted at um, the other schools and whatnot. But um, one thing I did realize number one, I've led a shelter, very sheltered life. But number two, I also realized sometimes, and I always have to be careful of this sometimes people, um, one thing I found is that people, some people can just be jerks and it has, has nothing to do, and it has nothing to do with the color of my skin or anything like that. That's right. Um, and so, there's a lot of people now. Uh, I don't know if you see. How them. you doing? We're all, we're all kind of yeah. Nodding. I yeah. I you know I realized that when I went through um uh, was it passion manifestation? What yes. was that? The last huh? Yes, that's, yeah. that's The
0: graduate, that's
2: the graduate course. Yeah. Yeah, and I realized that when I got knocked off the chair when we were doing, <laughs> doing the thing, realized. Carla, it was not necessarily the color of your skin that he decided he going to push you off. But it was, you know what, Carla? And this was, uh, uh, this was, um, I do realize that it was um, when somebody else, I think Alisa told me when we were the last three in that thing, she said, Carla, he would have done it if if I had been in your situation. Some people just are not, Some people can be jerks. has nothing to do with the color of your skin. That's
1: right. And so
2: it is, you know, and so I have to always be careful of that, but do realize that, yes, racism still does exist. So, you know, and there may be times where I, I, and sometimes I'll never know, maybe I did not get the job because of my color of my skin. But one thing my mother told me, and I'll close with this, is that Carla, she told me, there's gonna be some people who don't hire you because of the color. Oh, we lost you there. There's gonna be some employers out there that'll go, all they want is what colors. So that's it.
0: No, I get it. I get it. And absolutely, again, it, there are people that are just jerks that don't know any better. Uh, or maybe they do know better, and they do it anyway. And that's the questions I always have: how, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with those kind of people? And so, one of the things I want to share with us is just notice what what are you know what are you focusing on right now around your own prejudice toward other people, your projections, and how when they when people project onto you. Um, you know, my question would be is. How do these beliefs serve me? So if you have, if you can identify what your beliefs are, do they serve you? If they don't serve you, let's see how we can shift those beliefs around and how to respond. So one of the things that I tell people is you, to stand up, tell your truth, say it with compassion. And one of the best ways you can talk to somebody, you say, for me, the truth is. And you use those words, for me, the truth is, I feel like you're a jerk. Or for me, the truth is, that was unnecessary. Or for me, the truth is, you might be judging me right now, but that's your issue, not mine. And unfortunately, many people take it on as their own issue. When they get judged, they take it on and they say, oh, there's something wrong with me. So the the affirmation that I have for all of us is to say, I am safe and loved and I matter. So if when people judge us for whatever reason, okay, or when they attack us, that's their issue, not ours. It it becomes ours if we take it on and think there's something wrong with me, okay? So one of the responses would be, I'm safe, I'm loved, I, I matter. That's an affirmation that you can use. But to use the terms for me, the truth is, and the thing I want to close, the thing I want to share with us is, you know, I've been a proponent for all peoples in my life, including black, brown, all colors of the rainbow, women, sexual orientation, child abuse, new children, cultural and social complacency in so many places I've been around in the world. And the thing that I've noticed is that really we are one humanity. And as a light worker, that's what I call myself. I choose peace and rise above all the hate. And yet, I understand the pain. I understand the outrage. I can never fully appreciate being a white woman in this world and what it means to be persecuted for my skin. Okay, now as a white woman, I have suffered prejudice of being a bitch. I've been called a bitch. I've had victim of violence. I've had to work harder than a man to earn respect as well as I've also enjoyed doors being opened and and having a sense of privilege. I've enjoyed that. However, as an American, I have never experienced that hatred or devalued because of my skin. And I have felt others being jealous of my position, but never felt that I had to prove myself worthy of life itself. I never had to teach my son to be afraid of the system. Okay, so when I taught in Malaysia and worked with Chinese young girls, um, they were told they weren't, they weren't worthy enough to live. They killed them there. And many were killed at birth as a systemized act of that culture. And so that belief system has been handed down. And so the ones that I dealt with felt worthless and second class. And the Muslims that I taught over there in other countries They treat women as second class and not as important as men based on their religious doctrines. So no matter what our beliefs are, there are inherent fears that permeate our consciousness of people that are not like us. That's what I feel. These fears are handed down from generation to generation until it is awakened and stopped. And so I'm encouraging us to reach out, whether you're a white male, black male, Whatever, whatever you are, <laughs> to reach out to our brothers and our sisters on this planet and give a hand in peace and compassion and empathy. And that is what's going to shift it for us, is to really turn up the empathy, turn on the compassion for ourselves and others. This is what we stand for. And ask yourself, am I willing to do whatever it takes to break free? Am I willing? And I think the reckoning and the awareness that's happening, it's an awakening It's a symbol of a culmination of so much anxiety and fear in the world right now and in so many ways. And it really pains me to know that we have to sink to such lows sometimes in our humanness and have so much grief to make us aware of what is most precious to us all, our lives and our compassion. And I think that is our key is to really turn up the compassion and I encourage all of us to be a champion of supporting, getting out of our comfort zone, okay? Getting out of your comfort zone for growth. That's what my purpose has been to push people. <laughs> it's through love and support, but supporting people to know, you know that, they're, that they make a difference, they matter and they're important. And supporting people who are not seen and not heard. And so the essence of communication is being vulnerable telling your truth and showing up and actively listening to other people to resolve conflicts and it can get messy and all upsets are opportunities to know the truth so sometimes being vulnerable like this scares people but there is a safety in telling your truth with compassion and a depth of living with contribution integrity and consciousness so I encourage us all to just hold that space with each other, because we are creating a global movement of conscious leaders, empowering others to create a win-win world. And I see my conscious leaders (laughs) out there, they're going, yes, with our Conscious Leadership Academy. So I appreciate you guys coming. I want to just... um, um, you'll get a recording of this, by the way, uh, tomorrow. So you'll have it. And you can maybe go a little deeper into, there's so much so much more we could go into, but we only have an hour or so. Um, and I encourage you to join me in a real workshop, a virtual, well, not real, it's gonna be virtual, but it's July 25th, it's the essence of abundance. And July 26th is the essence of relationships. And there's gonna be a five hour workshop online with Zoom and we're going to go into all kinds of cool stuff. So if you go to essenceofbeing.com slash E-O-A stands for Essence of Abundance or essenceofbeing.com slash E-O-R, which stands for Essence of Relationships. Essenceofbeing.com slash E-O-A or E-O-R. And you can go there and find out more. It's July 25th and 26th. I invite you to come play with us. Um, It's going to, and it's a, we can really dive deep into relationships and abundance, okay? You can do both of them or one of them. I invite you to come. And the next power hour that we're going to have in August is August 19th. Remember, it's the third Wednesday of every month that I do these. And the next one's going to be essence of leadership. So I think we need to really look at some leadership right now, (laughs) okay? And how we can stand out and be a leader in the world. Yes? Okay. Okay. Um, So I'm going to unmute everybody. Oh, well, I tried to. If you want to unmute yourself, everybody can,
1: anybody want to share anything
0: else?
1: Thank you so much for having this conversation. Every time we have conversations like this, it chips away and creates new awareness for all of us. So thank you. I appreciate you.
0: Thank you, Trish. I appreciate you too. You know, I do. My pleasure. So if anybody wants to say anything else or share.
5: I'd
2: just like to say thank you so much for your courage uh, to to open this up, to put this out there. Uh, Some people, when they attempt to be courageous, actually
5: find that they lose family and friends. And so I really appreciate your courage for standing up and, and having the conversation, because this is the only way
2: we're going to get to the other side, is with this dialogue. So thank you.
0: My pleasure and my purpose for sure. Thank you. All right. So join me next time in August and please come play with me for the abundance class or the relationship class. It's going to be a five hour workshop. We're going to play and have fun, but we're also going to shift some things. Okay. So remember I am safe. I am loved and I matter. And I
2: matter. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, thank and you. I'm excited thank to be coming you. to the relationship course.
1: Yay! Oh, gosh, I know. Finally, it's so awesome. Finally, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I do like Everything else we've done, so here this will be fun. Yep.
5: Thank you, Burge. Thank
1: you. Thanks, Burge. Bye. Bye, everybody.
0: Bye, Bye. Good night, everybody. Bye, everybody.